Welcome into episode eight of the Cinematic Comic First podcast. Today we're talking about Thor, The Dark World. I'm Davis and I have my co-hosts Corey and Ryan here with me. Uh, Corey, let's start with you. What's going on? Hi, Davis. So excited to talk about the worst movie in the cinematic universe. (laughs) I, I felt that way going into it. But my opinion may have changed as we as we did a little digging into this. Okay, I'm curious. Ryan, what about you? Hello. Hello. My opinion may not have changed, but it (laughs) may still be different than yours, Corey. What? And the rest of the world at hand. Okay. I don't know if using the phrase at hand was really the right. (laughs) <laughs> right thing to say at that moment, but I did. Just what, what, whatever part of the world is here, you know, at hand. Yeah. Um, they, they may or may not agree. I, I, I don't have a great gauge for like what is the most loved or most hated of the of the Marvel franchise. I do feel like Ant Man was kind of a, a. a a testing point like that that may have been one major divergence of are you going to stick with the mcu through thick and thin and just watch everything or are you only going to go back to the theater for movies that you know and like for characters that you know and love uh so ant-man might be kind of in that lower threshold but to me thor dark world was always like unanimous bottom of the barrel What's interesting I'm, is Ant-Man is one of my favorites. But I yeah, I I always follow I the rule if it makes me laugh, it's a good movie. And so <laughs> maybe that's why I like most of these movies. But yeah, Thor Dark World recently uh was voted number 2 in the worst category. I think Eternals recently took over as the most disliked. Ooh. I liked Eternals. I did too. I need, I I need to give Eternals another watch. But walking out of the theater, I thought, okay, that that was that, that was an okay movie. And then, like the longer I've gone since watching it, I just continue to sour further and further on it. And I walked out Left of the you theater. Speechless. I know. <laughs> And saw six glowing red eyes staring back at me in the sky and thought, this is real life. Holy cow. (laughs) I'm an eternal. (laughs) Uh, We we don't need to get too much into it. But like, honestly, you might be an eternal and you would never know because I feel like most of their powers that were designed to like help humanity or whatever were such subtle niche powers that... You like, hey, I I don't know. I'm I'm really good at making friends. That 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 that's my eternal power. Uh I was I, just expecting like Captain Marvel level heroes, but there were just like six or seven of them. I do feel like the Eternals had very specific instructions of what they were supposed to do. Yeah. And so I, I think they did know because Weren't they told they were Eternals? Yeah. Yes. And didn't they live longer than everyone else? Yes. All right, fair enough. You're not an Eternal, Ryan. 
or so you know, my uh, is it a coincidence that my grandfather that starred in that uh, movie looks exactly like me? <laughs> that was my favorite thing, and especially because it's like based on a real family. It was just amazing. I also just love Kumail and the fact that he is now like a superhero is just my mind. I think I would have liked it if he was less ripped, though. Yeah. And (laughs) it was so impressive what he did, though. He was extremely vascular, which makes me think (laughs) that he may have had a little help. Which is yeah. fine. Which is yeah. fine. But you know, like do do what you got to do. Get get that pump, and then you know maybe you kind of fall back to earth. But I would love to look like Kamel Nanjiani, which isn't something I would have said five years ago. <laughs> I I walked out. Not not that I'm like a super funny guy or anything, but I walked out of that movie and I was like, great. Now it's not enough to be just funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. What a, what a world he's created for us. Yeah. Pick a lane, Hollywood. I mean, we <laughs> like, we can't be all things to all people. <laughs> I can't be eating chicken as my only meal with rice. Yeah. Here, here, here's your chicken, boiled spinach, and I mean, rice might be like a once a week thing. So that's just carby. I, I did not to. We've already taken so many tangents, but I did listen to a uh, a podcast episode that had Chris Pratt as the guest. Huh. And it was a. I actually, I think he just was on it for a little bit, but it was a fast food podcast and they kind of like interviewed him for a bit. And you could tell how much that guy misses fast food. <laughs> like the way he was talking about like in and out and stuff. And he was like saying like for his birthday, it was like a special treat that he got to go to in and out or something like that. And you could just tell like that guy is sick of eating just chicken. He, so I I remember in the lead up to Guardians of the Galaxy, he talked about his like miraculous um, shifts in weight, how he he would just kind of yo-yo like he would almost as a challenge to himself. He would take a role that would force him to cut and then he would take a role where he could balloon up and gain like 80 pounds. And he had (laughs) gone from, I think, like his heaviest role in whatever was before guardians to guardians where he had to get super shredded. And he had that scene in the prison where, you know, he's just got like the six pack and the sex gutters and just everything is super cut and lean. (laughs) And he, yeah, he, he, he talked about how like gaining weight, he would basically just order two entrees every time they went out to eat and drink like the darkest beer that he could. Um, but pretty much since Guardians, he's had to keep that really like lean, shredded physique. And sometimes he's even like bulked up beyond that. We, we, we've talked about like Marvel superheroes getting that second movie and how the muscular guys have to get like even more muscular for their second film, mm-hmm. um, which we'll probably talk about in Thor Dark World. But I, it, anyway, I was just going to yeah. say, I think this is the perfect segue into talking about yes. Thor. 
yeah, yeah. Clear, clearly, we have thoughts about things that are that our episode is not about. But I think we have just as many thoughts about what, um, a, 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 about our actual topic. So, we we did some, um, we, we we did read a few comics, and I believe Corey, you've kind of prepped a little uh, a, a, a little summary just to get our our listeners on the same page as us. Yes, yes. So we read four issues 344 to 349, which includes the first appearance of Malekith. Can, can you someone remind me how I'm supposed to be pronouncing this? Because every time I say it in my head, it's wrong. I've been saying Malekith. Malekith. Yes. Yeah. Malekith. Okay, hard A. Malekith. Okay. Now, these comics were written in... 1984 and it sure shows that's my first comment (laughs) Uh, first first adding to the summary so everyone i'll make an instagram post where you can see the the real 80s outfits they're just stunning (laughs) can i uh can i interject already about author walt simonson oh yes please talk about walt so there's the heavy hitters of marvel like chris claremont who's famous for kind of redefining the X-Men. And then you've got the classics like Stan Lee and John Romita. And then if you go into uh, other things, you've got Frank Miller, you've got Alan Moore. These Mm. are people Mm. who everyone has kind of heard of in the comics. But Walt Simonson is kind of what kind of has that similar aura for the Thor comics. Like when people talk about what is good Thor? It's usually starting with the Walt Simonson run of Thor. And he, so keep that in mind. Well, and, and, and not for nothing. I, I don't know if this is like a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if this is more kind of a sign of the times or whether he's just a do it all man. He was the writer, the penciler and the inker for, uh, for these issues, which, seems like that's not really what happens uh anymore you you usually have like a writer and an artist but he's he's doing it all marvel has a special room for people who do these things and it's similar to uh (laughs) the room that iron man was kept in in the first (laughs) iron man movie yes (laughs) (laughs) um okay well back to the summary um all i think i'm gonna point out there was a lot of storyline that happened within this but i think i'm just gonna point out the things that stood out to me as similarities between the movie so kind of working within like the framework of what we'll also have watched um so within this series um we have um malekith malekith i already forgot malekith malekith Malekith, Malekith, who um, is working behind the scenes with a, a big group of different people to get the casket of winter. Casket of winter, guys. I'm our, wow, yes, I should have like, yes. written it. Yeah, casket of winter. Casket um, of eternal winter, I believe. Casket of eternal winter. Thank you so much. Um, which is going to bring about winter. So kind of similar to the movie. Um, this is a device that is going to return the world back to like a a version that he, that the dark elves want it to be. 
Um, so this is kind of like bringing it back to their type of world. Um, and, and just very, very quickly, mm-hmm. I believe, I believe that, so first off, it, unless I'm talking about something different, I'm pretty sure it's the casket of ancient winters. You're probably and right. How many names so, does this thing have? Cause we already came up with four. I agree. <laughs> It's actually um, the casket of the Eternals movie Winter. <laughs> okay, looked it up. The casket of ancient winters. Davis wins. One okay. point to Davis so far. Very good. So, so the casket of ancient winters in in the MCU is that like glowing blue box that it was owned by the Frost Giants and is sometimes wielded by Loki. Mm. I believe. I, I believe its most recent appearance was in marvel what if when there was the episode about um well i i guess it's in the title what if the avengers died and loki comes down with the with the like hosts of asgard and he's holding the casket of ancient winters but it basically just shoots out like a blue beam like i i i guess it can be weaponized in that way but it can also bring about winter and darkness and all that stuff so anyway um thank you so much davis for that summary of our casket of ancient winters um so in this series malekith is trying to get his hands on it and he teams up with several different baddies to do this um notably we have a sorceress whose name escapeth me um, we also have a second sorceress, Lorelai. Lorelai, thank you. Who is um, first current lady friend? He doesn't oh, know she's that's a sorceress. Lorelei. Yes, yes, yes. So she's also she's a second sorceress, and she is the sister of the other one. Enchantress, um, I think, is who it is. Enchantress, probably. I'm I I don't know if you should believe me though, because I got the eternal thing wrong. <laughs> You were close. You were eternal, ancient, same thing. <laughs> um, and then we have a human who Willis. Wow. I want to say Eric. I want to say Eric. I actually wrote down the summary for the movie, but did not. Or uh, Eric Willis. Both. Both is right. Eric oh. Willis, who is a human um, who stole the casket originally um but it's kind of in the end part of this and then loki is working with malekith um as well and he kind of turns down odin's need or uh, request for help um and there's one more there's definitely one more that i'm forgetting um boar what boar Thor's granddaddy. Oh, yes, yes. Or are you thinking of people he teams up with? I'm thinking people he teams up with. That's the extra. Okay. Anyway, there's a group of bad guys throughout this who all are trying to get their hands on this casket. And then we have, on the good guy side, we have Thor, who in this era is a ponytailed construction worker with glasses. (laughs) Um, whose name is... I've got this one. Like... Sigurd Jarlson. Jarlson. <laughs> yeah, Sigurd Jarlson. This is what I, I want to know the most about. <laughs> I feel like, why change from Donald Blake if you're going to have a, 
an alter ego into Sigurd also, he Jarlson. Was, <laughs> he was a doctor beforehand, and now he's a construction worker. Um, which I per- like. He kind of mentions in the comic that like now it's harder to run off in an emergency because he doesn't have the excuse of like I'm a doctor, I have to go to an emergency. So, where was the forethought when coming up with this alter identity? <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I need to, I just remembered I need to check the concrete density of the project I'm working on. So I will be right back. <laughs> wow. Dang it. Right on the spot comes up with a use um, of an example. Thank you. But that, but that, that, that would be my only one every time. <laughs> maybe like um, a pipe burst and I have to go fix it. Like maybe there's mm. an accident. I don't know, yeah. but not, not many. Not not many excuses. Not nearly as good as a doctor running off. Um, All right, I I have the answer of why he has become Ooh, Sigurd Jarlson. So Beta Ray Bill, the uh, the horse Thor man, uh-huh. uh, he proved worthy to lift Mjolnir, and so Odin created a new hammer for him, and transferred the enchantment uh, to his hammer. And so this allowed Bill to be a Thor at the same time, but it also removed the Donald Blake persona from existence. So because that persona is no longer around, Nick Fury kind of puts uh, Thor through a... uh, uh, I just forgot the name of it. The thing where criminals are... Yes, witness protection. And gives him the new identity of Sigurd Jarlson. He, he he would be able to carry a hammer around with less suspicion. <laughs> That's as, true. As, as as a construction man. Now, wh- whether 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 you need a Norse war hammer for construction is another debate. But it, you know, it, it, it makes more it. sense. Right, right. It really makes the nails go in easier. Plus, it, Thor, Thor has always kind of been more of a blue collar hero. I, I, I think that. Great. He's yeah, oh. like it, he it it, it 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 never made much sense that he was a doctor is he he's for the people. Yeah, <laughs> I will also say I think he because now in this version, he looks like Thor. So I think the persona of his true like physical presence looks more like yeah construction worker than a doctor it's it is essentially a clark kent for thor yes yes um so we're all behind it one of my other interesting things of this version is he like taps his hammer on things so it's still a hammer the hammer doesn't change forms but he taps it to change himself into his costume that was interesting very handy very handy um and on his team, we got Balder, who is like an Asgardian warrior. Um, we have his normal merry band. Um, Odin also plays a pretty big role in this arc. Um, all of them are trying to prevent this casket of ancient winters from getting in the wrong hands, which also will lead to... Okay. I could not get out of my brain that this wasn't Satan. Like it felt like this <laughs> devilish fire beast. I don't know what its real name is. Cause I couldn't stop thinking 
it was just like the devil <laughs> so this is searcher he is in the third thor movie oh, at the very okay. beginning he's the one who destroys asgard oh my god yes okay so we get a reprieve of him um and other interesting pieces here we also have odin's um family members who deal originally with the Casket of Winters and um, this fire beast, who I have his name, I've already forgotten. Dave, I mean, Ryan said it and I've already forgotten it. <laughs> but it's actually Odin's brothers. So it's the sons of Boar who, who helped stop it in the first place. And now in the present, they're, they're trying um, Odin, Thor, Balder, are all trying to prevent him from coming back. Um, yeah, I, that that's my summary. I feel like that's that's kind of the main elements of those. Any any additions to like give a background on what we read? Mm, not not background, but I I do have some thoughts on Malekith in the comic versus the movie. Yes. Oh, actually, really quick, another interesting thing about this is um like a lot of the the origins of like the characters are very like fey and actual elves like they feel like they're coming from like folk folklore or like folk tales versus like what we see in the movie so that's kind of like who the characters look like and are portrayed as okay go ryan so i think malekith is way better in this comic than he is in the movie. I mean, first of all, he's much cuter. So just like points there. <laughs> uh, we were all thinking it. I'm glad that you said it. He, <laughs> it has to he, be me. I'm the one that can object objectify people, right? <laughs> I, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with the with the tack that this podcast has taken, which is analyzing male characters through the male gaze. <laughs> so yeah, I mean he's he's caked up. Like he is you can get it. He is. I feel like the movie version kind of looks like a uh, like a high school English teacher, <laughs> but with kind of like bad prosthetics on at the same time. <laughs> so I feel like the movie always goes alien. Like basically all of Marvel's characters go alien versions mm -hmm. of what we think of as people. Whereas this kind of, as I mentioned, we're getting fae. We're getting like more of a fairy aesthetic. Yeah. Um, of like what an elf would be. Yeah. Yeah. Probably um, not a big fan of the alien portrayal. But right off the right off the bat in the comic, you kind of get Balder who has sworn to never kill again. And Malekith immediately puts him in a dilemma where he has to do that. He has to kind <laughs> yes. of bring his his oath. And I, I really found that like a more compelling, like, villain-esque type of thing where he's making other people be bad. And I don't know, his his motives seem to be more evil rather than I want this power to change everything. Which I think, uh, he's got less of a backstory in the movie. He's just presented as an evil guy. So, I... I like I've dedicated a lot of my my research for this episode to Malekith and the Dark Elves. 
precisely for the reason that Ryan just pointed out, which is one of the reasons that I didn't like this movie and one of the reasons that this movie still lacks, in my opinion, is it's so hard to intuit what Malekith and the Dark Elves actually want. It just feels like, hey, you're from a different realm. Therefore, you don't like Asgard. Therefore, you don't like Thor. Uh, and and like I, I understand that Asgard is kind of the ruler of the nine realms. There, there's always going to be this Game of Thrones that takes place among the other realms. But I don't that that that's not enough um, to make a good villain. And so I I like that even though Malekith's actions throughout pretty much all of comics are pretty sporadic like he he seems to exist especially in the comics pre thor dark world just to like just to kind of be an impediment or a thorn in people's sides um i i went through and kind of looked at basically every comic appearance that he had ever had and we we read the big one uh all the others are just like oh and he kind of popped up here to I don't know, be like a dirty trickster or just try and get something over on someone else. So I, I don't, I, 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 I thought it was a big swing to make an entire movie about Malekith and the dark elves, given what little source material we have in terms of like motivations, who these people are and what they want, which is something that I guess we can get into a little bit later. Some of the comics that have come out since, especially a run by Jason Aaron, uh, gave a little more substance to who the Dark Elves and who Malekith is. Also in that run, Malekith does do way bigger things and seems like more of a threat. Yes. Than ever. Well, okay, and so like the the Malekith and the Dark Elves thing gets to an even bigger point that I, like just an issue that I have with Thor, both movie and comics, and that is that Marvel took a character from Norse mythology and mm -hmm. is always trying to thread the needle between pulling from that mythology and folklore and then adapting it to serve the needs of the comic book and sometimes the larger comic or movie universe. And to this point, they've only pulled from enemies of the nine realms. Uh, first, it was the frost giants of Jotunheim. Now it's the dark elves of like Svaltenheim or something. And like both of those realms, both of those people existed in Norse mythology. So in, in Norse mythology, we have dark elves who are the same as dwarves and they live underground. They are often contrasted with the light elves who live above ground and are as radiant as the sun. And dark elves and light elves are kind of always at war with one another. Uh, light elves like light, dark elves like dark. But like that, that's kind of all we get from Norse mythology. At least that's all that a quick Google search on, North, on Norse <laughs> mythology will give you. I'm sure there might be more. And, and, and so it, it's just... It, I think Marvel has kind of painted themselves into a corner where 
without involving the larger Marvel universe. Thor is a really cool hero who until more like recent times was relying on other Norse mythology to build supervillains who weren't nearly as compelling or fleshed out. Yeah, I think a lot of that issue comes with the cherry picking of Norse mythology because we're not getting nearly enough of it to like build fleshed out characters, but so much that we already have expectations of what these characters are or what they can do. And also in this run of comics, we're seeing, it feels like Thor put into a world of mythology, of other lore, which which yeah. kind of feels all tied together in a, in a nice way. Um, but especially in the movies, it, it feels like it's kind of like, yes, Thor is a Norse god, like that's real, but nothing else is. <laughs> like no other mythology exists. So it kind of yeah. like takes a lot of the context out. Uh, real quick, to Davis's point, I believe, and this is all thanks to Corey recommending I read Norse Mythology by <laughs> Neil Gaiman, that oh my gosh, do you love it? <laughs> I'm not done yet, but it's got some good stuff. But he mentions in that book that the Dark Elves are actually dwarves in Norse mythology. Mm, okay. Nailed it. But Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> to that point. Or fandom, whatever. It, it is exactly what you're saying, where in the comics, they've changed Dark Elves to be something else. And... In Norse mythology, they've got their own thing going on, and so it is kind of hard to kind of marry the comics and real Norse mythology because I feel like the comics have changed so much. Mm -hmm. Corey, I have an important question as I shop on uh, Amazon. Uh, okay. Excuse me. We don't have any sponsors. As I shop on a uh, digital marketplace for Norse mythology... <laughs> Did you read okay. like the book or it appears that there's a graphic novel? Oh, no. So actually my preference, I have both read and listened to the book. Um, mm -hmm. And I highly recommend the audiobook. Neil Gaiman reads it and I love all of the books that he reads, um, which are mostly just his books, but they're great. Um, from your local library, I bet you could get the audiobook for free. Have you listened to the graphic novel? No, I have not, unfortunately. That would be beautiful. I want him to describe every picture. Neil Gaiman okay. projects images into your eyes <laughs> through the app. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. Well, yes, I will. I, I will visit my local library and check it out. We we are sponsored by libraries. <laughs> we are, yeah, yeah. Uh, th this th this podcast comes to you from taxpayers across America. Um, so we're grateful for them. And yes. hey, we don't want to give um, Jeffrey Bezos another private island, am I right? I hear that. Unless um, well, some of the things on my watch list drop in price. Uh, also, unless he creates a library <laughs> island. Ooh, mm. I would love a library island. <laughs> um, okay, well, it sounds like we kind of want to start talking about the movie. Should I give a summary of that? Yeah, so just, you know, 
the non-important background is obviously we're, we're talking about Thor, the dark world. This came out in 2013 it was directed by Alan Taylor, who has since said that he doesn't like this movie. Wow. This brought in almost $650 million at the box office. So not too shabby. Um, and then I, I, I guess, Corey, I'll, I'll let you kind of give the quick summary. Thank you. And actually, I wrote down, yeah, it got $644 million and was the 10th highest grossing movie in 2013. So it actually did really well. And then I did not watch it. Not I had not fully watched the movie until like four days ago. Wow. Um, so I gave them none of my money. <laughs> Take that. So got him. In, in Thor Dark World, we start with a war with the Dark Elves. Um, Malekith, who wants to unleash e uh, Ether, it's got an A, but it's Ether. So that's his attempt. He he's at war. He's trying to release this thing because he wants to conquer the universe and turn it back into darkness. That's what it was before. All of the life existed, and that's where the dark elves existed was in this darkness. He wants to return it to the darkness. Um, but his forces are conquered by Bor, Od Odin's father. Um, Bor's granddaddy. Yes. Who does not destroy the ether, but he hides it in a secret tower thing. Um, we now cut to Jane, who is showing one of the two personalities she exists throughout the movie, which is her obsession with Thor. The other one is she's smart. I personally feel like this whole movie has very flat characters, and that's why it's terrible. So, Jane, currently obsessed with Hold Thor. Hold on. Yeah. I'm going to come mm -hmm. out swinging right out of the gate. Just because of that. I think this movie is better than the first Thor. What? I agree. I agree. Okay, let me get through this summary, and then All we're right. going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so eventually... Jane shows off her second personality trait, smartness, um, and somehow finds her way to the ether. It inhabits her. She comes back to the normal world. Thor comes to get her, takes her to Asgard. Now, some notable highlights between now and the climax of the movie are Loki's in jail. Odin is super angsty. He's real angry. Yes. Um, Seif is throwing all kinds of eyes at Thor. She's in love with yes. him. Um, that that's how you pronounce it. I can't I can't say anything today. Um, Fandral is <laughs> Fandral. Maybe I pronounced that one right. Is now Shazam. Did you say Fangirl? Oh, Fandral. Okay. <laughs> Fandral. <laughs> that that took me aback because I was like. Okay, that is a different actor for him. But when I looked it up, I was like, I did not know that was Zachary Levy. I, I immediately saw it was him, but I was like, wait, he wasn't in the first movie, right? Like, that was what was throwing me off, is I couldn't remember. He, well, um, and they, they, they did the same thing to his hair as they did to uh, Chris Hemsworth in the, in the first Thor, which is like, give him that kind of mustard blonde hair, which yeah, bad just looks awful, yeah. So... Great, great time to note that Chris Hemsworth grew out his movie for not his movie, his hair for <laughs> his uh, hair for over a year for it's this bad. movie. It, I didn't nice. like it. Didn't appreciate you it. You didn't like that he grew his hair out? No, no, no. I just like, 
I personally prefer him with shorter hair. Oh, okay. Like a, like I thought you preferred him with a wig. <laughs> Again, we 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 are a podcast that subjects males to the male gaze. So Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> you're hotter with short hair. Hundred percent agree. Be pleasing um, also, to me. He's a little big. He's a little too big. Well, um, oh, okay. They let you know within the first ten minutes of the movie how big he is. In the scene Too where late. he's washing something and it's just a close-up on his chest. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, okay. This, uh, well, uh, okay. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I just have a little bit more. Yeah. Finger I, dies. I, 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 Mom I shouldn't dies. jump in. Mom gets stabbed. She dies. Thor she and Loki run oh. away. Uh, Thor and Loki run away. They become BFFs again. Um, I do. Loki dies. Um, does. Um, we talk a lot about harmonic convergence. Uh, Dr. Eric uh, is crazy, but also not crazy. And yes. the dark elves get the ether. So that brings us to the, the like the kind of the um, climactic uh, part of the movie where we're all meeting up in Greenwich. And the dark elves bring the ether. They come in on their ship and try to destroy the, destroy the nine realms during harmonic convergence. But do not worry. Our super fun batch of Thor, Jane, Eric, Darcy, and her intern slash boyfriend, they save the day and destroy the Dark Elves. And all is one. End of summary. Beautiful. Thank you, Corey. I have one question that I want to ask to get the ball rolling. And it does right. have... It, it, it is tangentially related to the now bulkier and even more muscular Chris Hemsworth. Okay. And this is my question. Who do you think either, well, okay, not worked harder. Who do you think was more nervous for their naked scene? Thor or Dr. Eric Selvig? Because both of them looked significantly more svelte than they did in the previous movie. Uh, I I think Dr. Eric really tried hard because he was like, oh no, I have an underwear scene. I've got to get up. He was buck get... naked. He 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 was running around. <gasps> That's uh, right. I forgot that he was naked at one point. There, there was a deleted scene where he goes full frontal. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That that's not okay. Because I believed um, you. I hundred percent believed you. I was like, they took it out because they weren't ready for an R movie, <laughs> but they shot yeah. it for some reason. Why did I believe that? I the, the, I don't want to start anything, but the reason the director doesn't like this is he blames the editors, and uh -huh. it's possible that part of his uh, his disagreement was putting the blur line over. Over Dr. Selvig. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell the story again, but there is... The vision. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, 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 there is a uh, story that seems to creep into my head at, at any given instance <laughs> about, a, a, about uh, a director insisting that there be an, a naked scene in a Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> But then it got cut. Um, I, yeah, may, maybe he's like, okay, the only thing that's going to save this movie is if we get Stellan Skarsgård to hang Dong uh, right outside Stonehenge. 
but I don't know. I I honestly think that if he had done that, it like definitively would have put it over Thor. But even without <laughs> it, I still think this is better than the original Thor. So before we get into that, I do want to say that Kevin Feige is on record that this movie is the Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back of the Marvel's what? Thor saga. Oh my gosh! And what so does he mean by that? I I do not know, but he it, it either means he believes so highly in this movie that it's as good as Empire Strikes Back. Or that it's supposed to be darker in tone, mm. but I didn't. I don't. Didn't really get that either. I, I'm. Okay. I'm wondering if forty years from now there will be a theatrical re-release of Thor: The Dark World, because everyone agrees that this is actually the most heady, like mo- most most deft uh, Marvel movie. <laughs> but the people who saw it in theaters when it first came out were too dumb to understand that. As is the case most of the time. Um, yeah. Okay, I would like to now state my case where the, why this movie is awful. Okay. Worse okay. than Thor 1. So I, I was going to say, it can be awful and still be better than Thor, but worse no. or awful and worse than Thor. Okay, continue. So in my personal opinion, this movie, except for Loki, who is incredible in this movie and can do no wrong, um, all of the other characters are flat, and or have completely different character arcs than they do in anything else. Um, so, for example, Thor, in all of the previous movies, is really fun. He has some levity to him. Yes, he's kind of a douchebag in the first movie. Um, and I would argue and so maybe- that he has very little fun in the first movie. <laughs> I I kind of feel like he is like a fun vibe, you know. With maybe it's another- the blonde eyebrows that throw me off. Maybe it's the blonde eyebrows, but I just think that his energy in the first movie and then in um, Avengers is a lot more of a fun character. And then in this movie, he has all righteous anger and very weird with Jane. Like, I feel like like he's left her and now he's back. Like, there's not really love. I, I think he didn't leave her. He energy. destroyed the rainbow yes. bridge. <laughs> When he comes back, he comes back and doesn't see her. They explain it, though, in the Avengers movie. I dislike it. I dislike it strongly. I do not care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, he can come back to see her now, but he couldn't, like, four days ago. Bridge is back. Why now? Why when something happens to her? Why is he just watching her, but not going to her? He had to save the world before he and Jane could could retire to the boom boom room. And well, that I think is totally reasonable. Disagree. <laughs> All he right. could have gone back before now. He did not need to wait until this. Um, Odin, weirdly angry, has a lot going on. Um, total 180 from his previous character where Still a bad I think dad. he had like grown a lot and had been like no war is bad and then he's like just kidding i love war again my my Um, favorite line by him in the movie is your birthright yes (laughs) (laughs) 
the long it's pause. Be- <laughs> the long pause before giving the final T at the end. Here, like um, yeah, Sir 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 Anthony Hopkins just had to remind everybody who he was. In that moment. <laughs> yes. Um. None of our friends, our merry band, none of them really like bring anything to the movie. They're kind of like. We we just our first movie. They have a lot of character. None in this one. The dark elves. No character, as Davis has already pointed out. So I just feel like across the board, everything is kind of lackluster when it comes to the characters. Stands Loki because he is incredible. Um, what about Darcy? I I actually don't think that Darcy is nearly as fun as the first movie. She's close. Oh. Like she's always a fun character. But I think we I we I think. I, I won't you speak for Davis. I think I had the exact opposite take of you. <laughs> okay, now convince me. I, try, try I don't think I'm going to convince you because I thought most of the characters were better than the first one. And I what? liked most Do of I their performances. Better? Jane who had two, two personality traits and nothing else. She was so boring. But I feel okay. like she was more boring in the first one. Where she James. was just yeah, you go for it, Davis. Well, I, I, I so I feel like I stand kind of in between you two, and okay. so I would be happy to okay you to act as like judge and arbiter. Yeah, like okay. I, 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 I might have both of you present your cases to me, but I will say, <laughs> and, and and I'm kind of you know admitting some bias here. I don't know. Even if Marvel tried, if they could make a worse character than Jane Foster in the first Thor movie, because we're like, oh, Jane is this curious scientist who, who is who sees a hot I, I boy know. and yeah. forgets everything. <laughs> yes, yeah, that like, was the that was so frustrating. <laughs> she she is the most one dimensional lovesick dope that I have ever. It, maybe not ever seen in movies, but certainly in the MCU. Yes, yes. Okay. They had an incredible actress, and they did terrible things. Um, yes. But my my problem is, I think she has a little bit more of her own storyline in the first movie. She has her own research. Yes, that gets sidetracked by a boy, but like she has some of this like righteous justice against like shield and she has a little bit more of her own personality in this movie she is just a smart scientist who loves and is obsessed with thor like i feel like they just took a decent part of her personality and like minimized it all right order order (laughs) thank you uh the 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 prosecution has presented their case in chief now (laughs) would the defense like to like, like to counter or present their own case in chief uh not really. I think that Corey is right. Oh, point Corey. But okay. I will say I wouldn't say that she's worse. I would say that she's the same. Mm. And oh, what? But Just, I go ahead. Excuse me. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm not sure if you can hear my water bottle gavel. Uh, to to be clear. The, the scope of this inquiry is beyond whether Jane Foster sucks more in the first or second movie, <laughs> but rather whether Thor is better or worse than Thor, the Dark World. Thank you. You may proceed. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, I do think Darcy is better in this one. That was one thing that I noted where I was like, I like Darcy a lot more and she's closer to who she is in WandaVision as well. Um, but I, I do agree. Malekith is the weak point of this movie and mm-hmm. kind of the, the villains aren't that great, but I think for me, the biggest thing is, uh, and, and bear with me here. What makes me like this is comparing it to star Wars episode two attack of the clones. Uh, I sent you guys some pictures in uh, the our our group was, text. No one said anything. I'll, I'll put it on Instagram. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I loved those comparison pictures. They were amazing. There, are, there are basically some one to one scenes of Thor and Jane Foster. There were, but it's exactly uh, like the scenes of uh, Anakin and Padme in Episode Two, and some in Episode Three as well. Of just them kind of by a, a water fixture on like a terrace and kind of like staring adoringly at each other and explaining their uh, their thoughts and and beliefs. Um, but I do kind of feel like the romance is a bit forced, similar to Attack of the Clones. Yes. But what redeems it for me? similar to Attack of the Clones, which I know a lot of people won't agree with this, but (laughs) they really make this movie an important fixture of lore in the MCU. And so while there are a lot of things that aren't as exciting as other Marvel movies, I do feel like they throw in enough bits of lore to kind of like make it important, uh, whether you want to watch it again or not. Um... But I do, like, I do think they're, it's less melodramatic as well as the first Thor, um, which I think it, it turns it into more of a normal movie to me than a period piece drama set in Asgard. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and I do like a lot of the characters. I like the, the Warriors 3 a little bit better in this one because you kind of get, I feel like they were all a group in the last one. They all had one personality together. But in this one, you kind of see bits and pieces of their real th- personality. Um, and then throwing in, not to to spoil it, even though we are spoiling this movie, uh, the, the tease at the end with, oh, the ether was an infinity stone. That's like a, a good... Good comment to get any nerd's heart pumping. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I will say that was such a good uh, credit scene. With the <laughs> collector? And it, it yes. was directed by James Gunn, if you were wondering. Really? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, It did make me, make me think a lot about how Jane was able, able to hold an Infinity Stone inside of her for so long. Yeah. So um, we 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 seem to be straying a little bit from the for, for, from the scope of this inquiry very quickly. Would the prosecution like a moment of rebuttal before this court uh, presents their findings? Um, I'm glad that you're finally getting a chance to use your law degree, Davis. 
Me, Frank, <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think I have any other thoughts. I kind of just yelled them randomly. Um, so go ahead and Dave, Davis, make your judgment. Right, I, I do you. want to know if I, I had any good points that swayed your heart or if you just are like, you. no, he's an idiot. No, so you definitely had good points. I hope you were talking to me and not Davis. Um, yes, I was. And and I think it was more one of those things is as you were saying these things to me, I was like, I think this is still in the camp of I didn't love the movie, but I would happily rewatch it any day. You yeah. know, I don't hate it to the point where I'm like, I can never watch that again. That was a terrible movie. I think I'd be like, I would sit down and watch this at any time. It's just like it's there are just so many good movies. And then this is at the bottom. But that's not um, the question. Do you still think it's worse than Thor? You know, or, I still think it's worse than Thor. All right, have all not right. Me. All right. Davis? Thank you. Um, you you've given you've given me a lot to to consider. <laughs> um, the court's finding are the are are thus. Um, first off, Darcy was a much better character in Thor: The Dark World. Uh, not only because of her hilarious addition of an intern to serve as her intern, even though she is still an intern, um, and the romance that that it sparked, but also, as the defense pointed out, it is more in line with her character arc that is uh, that that is on display in Wandavision. Uh, not for nothing, anyone who enjoys Pat Denning's work ought to stream uh, Dollface on Hulu. Um, I've been wondering if I should watch Dollface, so thank you, Davis. I've seen a few episodes. It is good. It's very good. Um, Also starring Brenda Song, Esther Pavitsky, and one of the (laughs) chicks from, uh, I think, Pretty Little Liars. I don't know. Taylor Taylor knows. I can't remember a single name of any one of a movie I just watched, and you're just rattling off a cast list. (laughs) Thank you. Also starring um, Malekith and Lady Sith. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you will not believe your eyes when you see Malekith the Accursed in season two. He's um, now a funky elf instead of an alien. He is. So regarding re- re- regarding the characters themselves, uh, th- this court will concede that a lot of the characters were not as dynamic in in Thor the Dark World as they were in Thor. However, this court would like to point out something that was not mentioned by by either side, but, but deserves note. And that is that unlike the original Thor, this movie had at least two interesting battle scenes that were dynamic and not just chewing the scenery or plot or advancing the plot. Okay. Even though the dark elves suck, they did bring the fight to Asgard before the final fight in the end. And in this court's opinion, one of the main things that sucks about the original Thor is that basically nothing happens until the last 30 minutes in w- at, yeah. at, at which point all of the loose ends start to get tied up. Further, most of this movie takes place in Asgard, which is far more visually interesting than New Mexico. <laughs> For these reasons, the court finds that Thor The Dark World edges out the original Thor by a hair in terms of overall enjoyment 
and quality of movie. However, a case can reasonably be made that the original Thor is more enjoyable for some less discerning viewers. <laughs> oh my gosh, Davis. That was I'm, amazing. Uh, I, I'm I, I'm sorry, Corey. I couldn't help but get that last dig in right at the very end <laughs> about the less discerning viewers. No, I I I I think it's a toss-up. Um I, I don't even care that you said that because I was so in and awe with your summary judgment. Thank you. Um You're very welcome. Going back to the battles, I do like their spaceships. That kind of like mm turn perpendicularly mm. um sorry to ruin everything and throw off the whole conversation by going you're to good that. you're good are we just now throwing out cool things because i also have a deep dive that i did all right i'm i'm ready to hear it okay hear so it. i was really curious about harmonic convergence because i feel like so many movies and tv shows just talk about this concept and i was like is there an actual harmonic convergence? Um, Avatar was the only other like I could think of also has this occurrence, but I mean, I don't know. I was like, what is this? Does it actually happen? So internet tells me that um, <laughs> the last time all eight major planets um, converged in a line in the sky, uh, go back i just got a pop-up but it was like like 800 and uh, no 949 ad was the last time this happened the next time it will happen is 2492 oh not something that happens very often we're gonna be heads in a jar by then <laughs> for all the eternals listening if we're lucky you're you get to see it <laughs> All right. So the it, uh, oh, sorry, Corey. I, I sorry cut out for me a little bit. Sorry. Oh, um, I was just gonna say that harmonic convergence is also the name of its first synchronized global peace mediation, August sixteenth to seventeenth, nineteen eighty-seven, um, and this also took place. So the person that named this. Um, he named it this because based on his interpretation of Aztec cosmology, um, this was the end of the 22 cycles, which are 52 years each, which is 1,144 in total, um, of the hell cycles. Um, so they ended in 1987, um, and this is also when brightest planets in the sky all were in a line um the last time that this happened of the brightest planets being in the line in the sky was in 2002 and the next time it'll happen is 2040 so um those are the sun the moon and six of the eight planets so not all of them but we got six um plus two so kind of eight things but not all the planets um however did not happen in 2013 we have no cool cosmological events in 2013 well that End we of know of because you're talking about the planets <laughs> but in thor they're talking about the realms 
And you for some reason I was like, these are planets. Wow. I mean they Dang. they pretty much are <laughs> in this movie, but well and, yeah. and, and you you all may be forgetting we as earthlings consider magic and science to be different things <laughs> than Asgard, they are the same. So that that may explain some of the discrepancies there. That's true. Thank you. Also, thank you for reminding me that magic is science because I firmly believe that. Speaking of uh, Earth, we forgot to mention in the comics, they really hammer down that Midgard is actually Earth. Yes. (laughs) Every every mention of Midgard has an asterisk that says Earth at the bottom. Which is the way it works in Norse mythology. Midgard is Earth. That is true. Um. Uh, oh, go 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 ahead, Ryan. Can we talk about the hand thing? We didn't talk about it last movie, but What's the hand thing that in Phase Two of the MCU, someone loses a hand in every movie, as oh, an wow. homage to Luke Skywalker losing his hand in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> oh, what? Um. Yeah. So Kevin Feige mentioned this. So in Iron Man Three. Aldrich Killian gets his hand chopped off, but he grows it back. Yep. Yeah. And we won't go through all of them because we can go through them in each episode. But in this movie, it is when uh, Thor's arm is chopped off mm, yeah. uh, falsely because it's just Loki doing some mirage magic. Do but you yeah. think that do you think that that is why he calls this movie the Empire Strikes Back of the Thor franchise? Maybe. Maybe he thinks every second movie is just the Empire Strikes Back of a franchise because it's the second movie. Yeah. He's like, he's like second movie, somebody loses, protagonist even, loses a hand. Um, so yeah, we're two for two. I will say... ESB. Or, I mean, uh, Iron Man 2 is also my least favorite Iron Man. Uh, there, yeah, yeah, this court needs no hearing or adjudication to (laughs) rule that Iron Man 2 is the weakest of the trilogy. Okay, good. So I'm just wondering, do I just hate second movies? We're going to see, because we're about to watch Captain America, and I think that I like the second Captain America better. So maybe, maybe that's the exception that proves the rule. Do you like Empire Strikes Back? I do, but... Mm, Return of the Jedi. Hey, it's not my favorite of the movies. But would you say it's the worst of the movies? Um, just of the original trilogy. No need to complicate it. I was gonna say that's. (laughs) I know. I was like, that's a lot of choice, and I don't feel like I've given enough thought to this. I do think it's my least favorite, but honestly, I could be swayed. That's one that my mind could be changed. All right. Do you like? Nutty Professor the Clumps less. <laughs> Is this now just a movie where I have to prove that I like good movies? Okay. Um, I'm just trying to use science or magic for some people. I, right, right, right. We're going to use magic. Yeah. Um, anyone else have some fun observations or fun facts of the movie? So I, I have a little bit more. That... <gasps> Ooh, by the Dark Elves? Yeah, yeah. I, by the way, uh, Meet the Fockers is the worst 
of the Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, Little Fockers trilogy. So second movies being the worst might have something to it. Okay. Um, But it's the third movie, I thought. I thought it was Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, Little Fockers. Oh, yeah. So you I don't think I saw Little Fockers because that one looked way worse to me. But that one is not the worst one. I'm going to be honest, I was grading on a little bit of a curve just to throw that one in there. Little Fockers could definitely be worse than Meet the Fockers <laughs> because I haven't seen either in a very long time. But I remember Meet the Fockers, or excuse me, I, I remember Little Fockers being okay. Which, 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 which one is the one where Ben Stiller like nearly cuts a finger off when he's trying to trim the turkey? I, do I didn't not, like that one at all. I do not remember. It's been a while since I've seen any of those yeah. movies. All then right, that, second that, season that... of the podcast. We're just watching <laughs> movie series. Yeah, no, Welcome we, to the Cinematic Fockers podcast. We will create graphic novels for the Meet the Parents <laughs> <laughs> franchise. Mm. I like it. Yes. All right, Davis, hit us up with some Dark Elves right. facts. Thank you. So I I would just like to point out very quickly, you know, we we talked about how in Norse mythology, dark elves live underground and Malekith and his band in this movie are really pale as though they've lived underground or in darkness for a long time. But they also have really white skin. It, it It's not like glowing or radiant. It's kind of like the spring roll skin where you can see their veins. So I think that they were trying to drive home the point that like they like darkness because they're dark elves. But especially when they put on those freaky, freaky masks that trigger like my fight or flight instinct because (laughs) it falls in that uncanny valley of like, this is vaguely humanoid, but it is neither human nor like discernibly non-human i i'm wondering if they're trying to portray like bastardized versions of the light elves or maybe i'm just reading way too much into it i Um, i agree because they're giving him the mole people effect like these people have lived in darkness for so long that their skin has evolved into right not needing sunlight anymore yeah um I think oh, part, go ahead, Corey. I, I'm assuming that they're trying to make the point that it did not like their species did not evolve with light because they were like before that part of the universe existed. It was like before the creation of like the universe. That's my understanding of the movie. That, that that would also explain why their eyes were almost completely black because their irises were like so dilated at all at all times. Um Okay, so even though I sincerely hate the way that they look, at least I can admit that there's some intentionality behind their character design. Okay. Um, Ryan, Ryan's point was, was a point very well taken, which is I don't like how, like, how they're they're dark elves, but they're basically just aliens too. Like, in, in anything that exists not on earth i think that was Corey's kind of point 
Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want point. I want, I want to make sure that I'm not respected on this podcast. <laughs> That's true. What I make all of the good points. Ryan is always wrong. State yeah. that for the record. Rule rule number one, we objectify men. Rule number two, <laughs> Corey makes the good points, Ryan makes bad points. Um okay. Well, yeah, I, I just like I, I felt like everything that they did to make them more alien and like less less just like you know people of another realm yeah just like i i i thought that the first thor did a pretty good job of differentiating the frost giants from from the asgardians without making it like oh they're you know they're they're aliens and these little space agey you know completely different modes of transport blah 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 yeah uh, and, and, and I think that in the comic books, they, they kind of get back to just making them a different race for, from a different realm. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about Malekith. Most, most of what we find out post Thor dark world. So despite this movie's shortcomings, I think that it was kind of a catalyst for, for talented writers to, draw a little bit more out of this character. So Malekith, uh, he, one, one of my favorite uh, facts about him is that his mother eventually sold him for two sacks of snake livers and half a barrel of pickled toads, um, <laughs> which I think goes a long way towards describing why he is the way he is. He grew up in a time where there was a lot of war and he lost his mother to the war. Um, there was a lot of like death and destruction around him during those early formative years. And I think that kind of scarred him. So at one point during the war, he was, he was taken in as a prisoner. When he was in prison. He met a wizard who helped him escape and took him as an apprentice Eventually, the wizard wanted to combine their powers for peace, but Malekith refused because he felt that any peace would mean that the war which forged him would have been pointless, making his existence something which wasn't meant to be. He then killed the wizard, who before dying scarred his face, and then his mother taking the dogs of the wild hunt. Um, I'm going to be honest, I copied and pasted that whole thing, and I have <laughs> no idea what that last little turn about taking the dogs of the wild hunt means but it does explain why in the later comics he has a cool like half blue half black face uh and he has super cool armor that's like red and blue split halfway or excuse me red and black split halfway down to match his kind of checkerboard mismatch look um anyway which they they do try to give an homage to in the movie when Thor electrocutes yes. half of his right, face. Right, right, right. And he's lying on the table, and then he eventually starts flipping coins to determine everyone's <laughs> <Yes>. fate. <laughs> um, Justice is blind. <laughs> um, I, 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 I guess what I'm trying to draw out with, with this little exposition on Malekith is his, his actions didn't really have much of a rhyme or reason before the movie and i think that they did a good job of giving him a backstory that like makes him a more believable character while 
while also explaining why a lot of his actions feel kind of like erratic or not super well thought out. Like in the movie, he had this master plan that like, like this was always the plan. I fought boar. So, you know, millennia ago or whatever, we were trying to make this happen. It didn't work. We go off on our spaceship, go into our ecto chambers and we'll just wait it out. Hey, now's the time. Ether's back. Boom. Right back to the plan. In the comic books, he's just kind of, he, he's a rabble rouser. He's, he's stirring up uh, a ruckus. What we do know is he definitely doesn't like the Asgardians. He doesn't love light elves and has a plan to wipe all of them out. And he'll, he'll even kill dark elves who don't agree with him. So yeah. anyway, he, he's just a bit of a loose cannon. And that's Malekith. Yeah, he is right off the bat. It is uh, Malekith is a more interesting character, even in his first appearance. And I love the design with the half blue, half black. Like very cool body. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think. I, I feel like this brings me to another point where there's a lot of times where they've learned just use the design that's already in the comics. And for some reason it works better. Right. Like they, for a while they were doing that thing of like, they'll like make a comment to Wolverine. Like, why don't you take this bright yellow suit? And he's like, no, I'm not wearing that. (laughs) But like, I feel like eventually they started being like, well, let's just make it look like the comics and everyone just accepts that it looks normal in this universe. And I think it works better a lot of the time too. Yep. I mean, the I agree. second Scarlet Witch into the, that like her outfit that was like new, but old so much better. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like they do a really good job now of marrying the old version, but like kind of modernizing it, but not too much, but like it still yeah. plays on the nostalgia. Yeah, I really like that. Um all right, I've got I've got one more thing I want to talk about. Uh well, two more things, but one one is not as important. Where I had to sit and think if realistically Heimdall had enough time to gr- grow his dreadlocks for Thor Ragnarok. Because he had a short, like, buzzed haircut in this movie, and I, it it took me aback how long there is in between these two movies. So I think he did have enough. So Thor Ragnarok was, I guess it was only, it was three years. Oh, no, sorry, four years. I think that's a long uh, enough time to grow long hair. I, I don't know if it's a long enough time to grow that length of hair, mm. especially because, like, with dreads, it's, it's like, a tighter, um, like, it's not just, like, straightened hair that's, like, the, the fullest length it could be. It's, like, tighter. But I personally believe that time on Asgard is different than time on Earth. So mm. he could have as much time as he wanted. That's true. <laughs> That 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 is my personal like workaround. Doesn't matter the time. He had enough time. It yeah. They always have their. Uh, I think that that's canon. I okay. count as canon. Um, okay. Agreed. So, 
It's unanimous. So the one thing I wanted to just mention, I'm not sure if you guys had thoughts on this. Did you find it interesting that they just inserted a heist movie in the middle of this movie? <laughs> oh, okay. I took notes on that. I wrote down. Um, so normally one of my favorite tropes of movies is when they have the like, this is to do it. And then they intersperse the plan with them actually doing it. I live for those moments. They're so fun. But I think because like the rest of it, like, yeah, like the character development wasn't there for me. Like I didn't love it as much as I should have, but I have like exclamation points next to my realization <laughs> they were doing that. But I think another thing that's, that's not great about this is they start with them explaining and then like cutting to them doing the actual high stuff. But it kind of seems like they just give up halfway through and they're like, <laughs> Yes. All right. Enough of the the roundtable discussion. We're gonna just go to the action again. They didn't commit to the bit. Enough. Yeah. Corey, one 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 thing that I'm discovering in this discussion is like the the main reason I like Dark World more is because there was more stuff for me to gawk at. Um, I I love. I, I like I, I like Quentin Tarantino movies because he's so good with dialogue and just mm. building characters and, and and everything. But like this movie had more stuff to gawk at, less character building. Thor had practically nothing to gawk at, but a lot of character building. Would you say that you are like that when your your taste in movies? is a lot more based upon character development. So my preferences movie is funny and gore. (laughs) (laughs) But but I do think a lot of it is also the character development. Like, as can we just all remember that, that my favorite movies are Deadpool. Deadpool two is actually better than Deadpool one. That's a break. That's different. Um, and I love Quentin movies, although I do not support Quentin Tarantino. I feel bad still loving his movies, but I do love them. You just don't like that he likes feet? I, I was um, going to say, am, am, am I not caught up? Should I not have said that I like no, his no, no, movies? No, 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 like it's... He, he like, he's very not good to women and like has put them in very dangerous situations like Uma mm, Thurman. Yeah, Uma Thurman. Okay. And and just like all this stuff like he's just he's not a good person. He is not like a good director like for the people on his staff. So I don't support, you know, people that almost kill Uma Thurman. She's a national treasure. <laughs> but I love his movies. Okay. Um, um uh, I had a thought. What were we talking about again? The best um, thing okay. to say on a podcast. <laughs> Your <We>? birthright. <laughs> um, before Davis asked me that question, we were talking about uh, the round table, like prepping for the heist. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to say something about character building versus lore, where mm-hmm. I think the character building is what makes great movies great and it is like the most important thing of a movie that being said that's why i wanted to liken 
this movie to Attack of the Clones, where mm-hmm. for me personally, I can excuse a lot of things if they throw in some weird lore in there that I like. I can watch Attack of the Clones because I'm interested in Obi Wan discovering that Master Sifo-Dyas had a secret clone army built, <laughs> and I can excuse them going to a diner and meeting like an alien guy who washes dishes for a living. Not 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 just a diner, a Fuddruckers. <laughs> um, but I I understand that people can not want to watch a movie because there's bad acting in it or not great characters. <laughs> I think my personal taste though, when you you get into the nitty-gritty of like weird details, I get a little excited. I think I think that's very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciate that, Ryan. I love all the details that you bring out because I'm not paying attention. I'm so oblivious. Yeah. So I speaking of that, I've got one more trivia piece I wanted to throw out at you guys. Let's have it. The scene where Loki turns into Captain America. <gasps> yes. They filmed that originally with Loki doing his best Steve Rogers impersonation. I was wondering why he wasn't. Explain to me. And then they refilmed it with Chris Evans doing his impersonation of Loki's impersonation of Captain America. Mm. (laughs) Why? I don't know, but maybe this will explain it. That scene was directed by Joss Whedon. Okay. Of course. (laughs) Joss Whedon ass thing to do ever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love how we hate Joss Whedon. Um, Yeah. Some, some, uh, see, I I don't support all directors who are terrible human beings, just some. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what I okay, Loki was the shining shining star for me from this entire movie. Like, he was great in this movie. Yeah, he he can do no wrong. One thing that really bugged me. This is a super random note that I made. How dare they not let him go to his father's funeral? What? Wait, his father's funeral? Odin's funeral? Mother's funeral? Oh, his mother's funeral. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. His mother's <laughs> funeral. Like he loves his mother so much. Why do they not? Alfie died funeral? in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! Wrong, wrong thing. Sorry, his mother's funeral. But why? Rude. I I, I agree. That kind of sucked. Yeah. I mean, I sort of get it because he did murder a ton of people on Earth. Okay. But they bring <laughs> him to, like, the chain. Like, it's not like they're afraid of him. Like, they have him in cuffs in his father's, like, chamber room for him to yell at him. They can't bring him to the funeral for his mother so he can say goodbye. That's true. It is it is heartless. I think they don't treat their their treatment of prisoners is a little more extreme, I think. Definitely. Well, and so like what one of the things that we kind of get in the movie, but that is like made very clear in the comics is that Odin kind of sucks. Like just in general. And <laughs> yes. So, like, I, I, I think that him not allowing Loki 
to be at the funeral is just as much, if not more to like spite him than it is to uh, like for the safety of Asgard. Mm-hmm. Oh, so rude. That's why. Okay. One of the hard things for me is when he, okay. Spoilers. When he does die and how it's like an emotional moment. I'm like, this dude is not great. Are we sad? About it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Odin. Um, yeah. I mean, he turns into dust later and seems to be redeemed in some sort of way. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. When we get to that point, I'll let you know if I feel like he was redeemed. I guess he wasn't redeemed because he's basically like, by the way, something bad is about to happen. I'm going (laughs) to die as well right before I can do anything about it. I hid all this stuff from you guys. Oh, that's true. I'm a big liar. (laughs) So first first movie. Asgard is in in trouble. Loki yells at Odin. He goes into the Odin sleep. Basically completely shirks his responsibility as king of Asgard. Second movie, wife dies. He's grieving. I can't help you. We're just going to grieve. Third movie, hey, you have a sister. Surprise. She's coming from hell. She's going to try and destroy Asgard. Poof. (laughs) Okay, so we hate Odin. This is an I hate Odin podcast. Yes. Love Anthony Hopkins. Hate Odin. Love Anthony Hopkins. Um, any other hot takes? I got all mine out. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling light as a feather. I put it all <laughs> out there. I guess one, one final thing. This is my least favorite post-credit scene. After after the Infinity Stone part, where it's okay. just basically like you've sat through the entire credits <laughs> waiting for whatever's going to happen. And then it's just like, want to see Thor and Jane make out? <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. I, 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 I thought the post credit scene was uh, like Loki kind of blinking back to life. Or was that just in the movie movie? No, that was in the movie where he like switches from Odin to himself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I do hate that post credit scene. I also hate the one in Spider Man Homecoming, where it's Captain America <laughs> doing the little, like pep talk, just because that was so snide, so snarky. That one at least makes me laugh. It it does make me laugh in spite of myself. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think we've probably exhausted our um, our discussion on Thor: Dark World. So thank you for joining us. If you love it, hate it, like tell us which one you like more because this was a pretty vigorous discussion. But uh, we hope you'll join us next time. And that you'll continue to traverse the cinematic comic verse with us. Thanks for listening.